Very color coordinated today, with the Into the AM shirt. Doing my best. Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday, post Labor Day, September 6, 2022. That's Ian Ferguson. It's me. Dapper. I'm Pat Country, looking all right. On the show today, we'll be talking about um, a little update that happened literally after we stopped recording last week from a company called Intellivision Entertainment. Uh, Rob on Pawn Stars, our our robotic operating buddy, was on Pawn Stars. We have a Patreon poll, other stuff. Uh, we found out about uh, Ian's pet cat spikes bowel movements on the exclusive right. CU podcast uh, Patreon. Uh, we, do, we do that every week. Uh, Patreon.com slash CU podcast. And his little is going to go to the bathroom. Uh, and we discussed the Amazon Lord of the Rings series a little bit. Um, um, besides that, Ian, did you do anything for, uh, for Labor Day? Did you, I worked on Labor Day. So I worked all weekend, but I had a, a pretty uh, great weekend. All right. Uh, That's all good. things considered. Um, I got to see Vani again on Sunday as she finally got back from Tijuana or from Mexicali. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, that was great. Um, I, uh, uh, briefly, big, big news, uh, Extra Napkins found out it gets its first convention appearance in November at really rad weekend. So that was a lot of, a lot of excitement about that, especially for John. And then for Labor Day, I finally, uh, got a chance to use my fresh hatch chilies. Um, and I made, uh, chili verde and homemade black beans. And if you look in your fridge right now, there is some chili verde, some homemade black beans. What? A, what? A little, what? A little sour cream, uh, a fresh shredded Monterey Jack cheese, uh, a few tortillas, and a couple lime wedges. So you got a little, you got a little taco kit there in your fridge. Thank you, Ian. You're welcome. Thirteen uh, months later, I appreciate it. Uh, well, I wanted to make it with the fresh ones, so these 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 weren't even frozen yet. These are the fresh the fresh Thank fresh you, roasted Ian. hatch chilies. Wow. Um, First time Ian's made me food in a long time. I forgot to bring diced onion and cilantro, so you'll have to figure that out on your own. You shouldn't have said that because I'm just thinking about the cilantro I don't have. Well, the you. cilantro <laughs> the cilantro there, there's plenty of cilantro. So you're saying, in the, you're saying it's for it's for tacos? You can eat it just. Normal. Oh, you can eat it just normal. I mean, I, I don't have tortillas right. No, I brought you some. Tortillas. Oh, thank you. I had omelet tortillas left, which is the thing which we can talk about. There's they have egg white. Oh, tortillas. egg white tortillas. Yeah, I've they're seen actually those. not horrible. It's like a, it's like a thin mini omelet, basically. That's what it is. Um, but there's cilantro in the thank chili you. verde. God damn it! Uh, I mean, basically, it's, it's it's chili verde is is just stewed pork chunks in a in a rich green sauce. So, anyways, you're torturing me. You're going to get to that. Thank you. Ian. Uh, what thank did you so do? Much. I saw that you were hanging out with Frank. Oh, yeah. So um, I hung out with Frank on Labor Day. He did ribs uh, and he bought he bought uh, four kosher dogs, like 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 quarter pound hot dogs, like big, thick ones. They're delicious. I'm not a big hot dog guy, but it, like the pure kosher dogs is the way to go. Um, I, 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 uh, I love hot the, dogs. The one so problem much. is Frank doesn't. Frank never buys 
hot dog buns. He buys like I saw I saw rolls. the picture, which is kind of all right. I mean, but you need it, a, you no, need no, a it's fat not, wiener for it's that. It's not because you can't. It's too much bread. Yeah, sur- it, that's what I'm saying. You need a fat wiener. Well, it's a fat <laughs> wiener, Frank. But the point is, is that like oh, Frank? White, I like him. It's a big dog. I'm like Frank. This is too much. I like have to like take the fucking uh, in, inner flesh of the, of the rollout uh, there. But he did that, and he had ribs. You know, they weren't on a smoker, because. but Frank makes a great, he does a great dry rub, but he just put them in the oven. So we had that, and then his pal Richard, who does not eat meat, um, had a seafood pasta, which had which they had the night before, which I said, once I saw Richard put that, I said, I want that. I want the seafood pasta with scallops and shrimp. Holy mm. shit. I've made myself seafood pasta in at least over a year. I fucking love scallops. My God. Uh, so we had that, and then I, we had sides. We had the red, white, and blue potato salad, which if you don't know, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, uh. Bits of bacon and blue cheese potato salad. It's like should be outlawed. Oh, it's the red, white, and blue. Yeah, yeah, it's so good stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. I like dill. I like German potato salad. Everything but the classic. I don't like the regular plain German potato, potato salad. salad is so good. My, my, my grandma made made uh, an amazing one. one. Yeah, um, it's good shit. And I like I know, it's good shit. The only thing, the only classic style, like I like the I like the plain macaroni salad, but not for a potato salad. I think it's flavorless but i like the plain macaroni salad with little vegetables in it that i like so i buy myself a little bit because frank doesn't eat it and we have coleslaw diced up carrot goes great what's that uh uh, diced up carrot in a macaroni salad is traditionally it's usually celery yeah i hate celery it's usually celery it's usually carrot and sometimes i put something else but it's usually at least those two it gives a little bit of crunch and then bush's baked beans which is the goat beans i mean there's only a couple of bean companies but like bush's baked beans you can't go wrong so we had that and then um, we, we, we listened to uh, Richard had his little Bluetooth little speaker playing something. Um, I got an email. Um, so anyway, so the point is, is that like that was good. Uh, but I hung out with, um, uh, I guess, uh, new new pal Joe DeRosa, a comedian. Uh, I, I knew him for listening to Opening Anthony 15, 12, 15 years ago. He, uh, he's, been, he's been on uh, he's on Better Call Saul. Saul, he plays a veterinarian. He was nice enough to uh, get me a ticket to, as to his show on Thursday. And then he said, I want to go to the swap meet. I brought it up as a suggestion. So I was like, okay. So I did the rare Saturday swap meet. We, I didn't get there till 1130, which is weird. At that point, it's like – they started packing by one, by the way, because like the guy got out there. Saturday was literally the hottest day of the year, at least here. It was, it was, it was unbearable. Oh, it, was, it was gross. It was 92 leaving the house, and it's usually cooler since we're closer to the ocean. And it was it, by the time I left, it was it had to be close to a hundred. It had to be because it was definitely hotter a couple hours later, and it felt like five degrees hotter. And then uh, plus we're on asphalt, so the heat rises. So we get there at eleven thirty, and it's a smaller. The Saturday swap meet smaller. It doesn't have the v- rows in the back. It's only the vertical columns. Doesn't have the horizontal ones. Right. But it seemed like decent. Um, and then Joe's like, "You don't think I need a hat, right? I don't burn." I said, "Joe." I said, Joe, you're going to be look like your face is like a freaking tomato tonight if you don't get a hat. I forced them to buy a hat. I mean, it was unbearable. Uh, the heat. On I Saturday. need to get one of them floppy uh, hats like you have. Oh, I, ha- I have. The, I have like the, the, uh, wide I have the big ones. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing's getting on my shoulders, my neck. I don't care how I look. <laughs> I, look like a, I look dumb. I don't care. The, the sun is the enemy. Anyway, so surprisingly, like I actually said to him, like I could have filmed the film Margaret Manis. Because we found stuff at eleven thirty. That's crazy. There, he he was he's into Game Boy games. He bought some Game Boy oh, games. Nice. I said you got to hang out with Ian. Um, I forced him to buy Kicks. It was only like four bucks. Uh, someone tried to sell him Pac Man for fifteen dollars. Some young kid and tried to take him for a ride. I'm like, it was like noon. I'm like, look at him. I'm like, no one's buying Pac Man for fifteen bucks. I said in my head, it can't be that much. It's like an eight dollar game. I think the um, Kicks. I think the Game Boy version of Kicks is like. 
Yeah, I said you, I said you should finest. get kicked. One of the finest. But, uh, and then, like, someone had some NES games, and they were selling their collection uh, or some of their stuff. And it was like, the deals were good. The only one they had priced, not, like, it was like $4 each. But they had uh, they had Dizzy the fantastic the fantastic adventure of Dizzy for ten so that wasn't a good deal but like baseball stars and Destination Earth Star for three four dollars each is a really good deal that's like twelve fifteen dollar games around there usually something uh, like that. I mean baseball stars has has regularly it's always a good has regularly sold out at Luna as a fifteen dollar yeah. game from the time I started working there until the time I left <laughs> and, and Destination Earth Star is an uncommon game you don't find it too often so like I said to him like you should get those and he didn't want them he's like nah I don't have room for the NES stuff but like I'm like I said to him like these are good deals like and I was shocked because it was eleven thirty. So like maybe right. there was maybe it was a combination of Saturday and the fact that it was unbearably really hot. Yes, but like I think for that's Saturday, absolutely it. for a Saturday, like you got through it quicker. But for like for sort of like the in terms of like the bang for your buck, it was worth the time because like you got we got through and saw everything in two hours, one pass through. We took our time, and like he found audio, he collects audio cassettes, so he got some audio cassette stuff. Like he, still need he got an player. old he got an old Megadeth cassette, and he actually pointed out to the guy, this is why it could have been a flea market madness. Uh, I'm not throwing under the bus here because uh, the seller knew who I was. But he said, hey, I know you, you're that guy who does the videos. Um, there was a Megadeth album or, or Metal- it was a Metallica album where he said, oh, this is a reprint because he can tell how bad the the, in, the uh, insert was. The J-card. Uh, so uh, that at least was was counterfeit. Whether or not the cassette was, I don't know. But the guy, they said, oh, well, someone will still want it and put it back. And then uh, I had I was like, mm. and we're walking away. Uh, we we're like we couldn't believe the guy said that he put it back out when it was counterfeit. Uh, like it's because it's one of those things. Where it's like, mm, dude, you take the loss. You should know what you're buying from right. someone else. Right? Yeah, yeah. Take the fucking um, loss, or at least take off what you know is a counterfeit. It was bad. You can tell from this far away. Oh, this was like printed, printed, on, like sure. really bad. It was a bad scan, like a JPEG printed off. Um, yeah, I didn't know that the the cassette stuff has uh, been pretty big uh, for some of that. I, I guess it's hard to find some of those from the eighties. Sure, in, like good shape. Uh, so we did that, and he bought a decent amount. And then I bought something at eleven thirty. I found where I was like, "Were people not here today?" The you know, um, the, the the toy chest, the the, the Link Mario one was there. What? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I have like the Ninja Turtles. You know, yeah. they, they put them out in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, okay. It was Little not trunks. They were. Tr- I mean, they're, they're about. Three feet by three yeah. feet. They're, they're but they have sides. the clasp on the front and open there's up. There's clasp on both sides. sides. And okay. You, and you, yeah. And you put it on top. It was there. I want. Um. And okay. It wasn't in great shape. But how many are gonna be? It was washed out. Most of the colors. Um. One in the class. I have to like tinker with. It doesn't close on on its own. Thirty bucks only. He wouldn't come down. But I looked up online. They go. They go for in crappy condition. One hundred fifty two hundred dollars because he can't find them. I right. guess. How and much was he charging? Thirty. Thirty. He wouldn't come down though. I said because I was like, ah, that was a fun. This is why I couldn't be a flea market madness because I was pointing out stuff. They had like an um, like an old jumper for an N sixty four, not the expansion, just a jumper. And Joe's like, what is that? I said, well, Joe, if you have an N sixty four, you know, you can get it because you know. And I said, I said to him, I think they might still make the third party ones. I'm not sure, but they asked eight dollars. I went on eBay and I said, you can get them brand new still for like seven dollars, eight dollars. And Joe wasn't sure he needed it, so I was like, okay, hold off. So I said, ah, Joe's got that accent because he's from you know Pennsylvania. He's going, ah, how much is it? And the guy said eight dollars. And Joe goes, they're brand new eight dollars. <laughs> and the guy said, it's not my problem. So I was like, oh, if I got this on video, this would have been great footage. Would have been great. Not I my did, problem. I did not expect to find anything that day. And again, once we got there, like around noon, there wasn't that many people left. There was a lot of young people. There were a lot of couples there. 
there were like people in their early 20s as a day out. I was like, this is like an inter- it's totally different vibe than Sunday. I almost want to do more Saturdays than Sundays because there might be less competition to find maybe some stuff and is more relaxed. Maybe I don't know. Or maybe because it, it was so fucking hot. Get out there with your camel back and your wide brimmed hat and fucking scoop up the well, deals. We, we spent like 10 minutes looking for hats. He wanted the perfect hat. He said, no, I can't bring it home. He, he says, do you want you know cowboy hat? Does this cover me? It was fun. It was a whole thing. Like I said, if we got this on video, it would have been hysterical. It was like a routine. Um, so then uh, you know, he came back and saw the collection. I tweeted that out if you saw that. He, yeah. was, he was impressed to see some of the stuff. I th- when I explain the games, I try to be interested, interesting and like explain stuff because it's just like I don't care anymore because sure. I, I, it's all a blur to me. It's a gray blur. But no, he was he, it was cool for him to see like Steam events, and I I explained to him the M eight M eighty two, the M eight, the test station, the Sega one, stuff like that. Like that's all the interesting stuff to me is that stuff. And then we went to Mitch's seafood, uh, which, of course, which was delicious. The, the calamari is like the best calamari ever. There, it's so good, it's incredible. I'm fucking starving now. Great. What do we got going on this week, Ian? Well, you watched some Night Rider. I finished my Night Rider run. It's been the past six weeks of Night Rider. It's been great. So Knight Rider ended in uh, 86, and then in 1991, they tried to bring it back. They did a TV movie called Knight Rider 2000. It's not, in my opinion, in the main continuity. To me, it's not canon. To me, it's like fan fiction. Sure. I think that's how most Knight Rider fans treat it. So Knight Rider 2000 takes place in fan early... Fan fiction. <laughs> it takes place in early 2000, but it's filmed in 91. So it's like, oh, this is t- a 10-year future thing. But it's done so poorly. Because this is the plot of it. <clears throat> in the year 2000, in the year 2000, conventional handguns have been banned with law enforcement carrying non-lethal ultrasound pistols. It's so bad. It's just a sound effect and something goes down. <laughs> Nationwide budget cuts have resulted in the adoption of cryonic suspension over standard incarceration for convicted criminals. Okay. Uh, following the assassination of a mayor in San Antonio, his replacement demands a solution, which is found in the form of the Knight 4000, a car that will become the next generation of the Knight Industries supercar kit. That's the plot. So so, so uh, Devin Miles is still in it. The, the old British guy mm-hmm. comes back. But now there's like a bald guy with a mustache who's running. Uh, he's running the, the, the fucking uh, foundation for long government. So the first thing when you notice it, it does not look like the original series. It's shot like ultra bright and clean. Right. Because that's their idea of the future for sure, some reason. Sure. The year 2000. And it just seems off. They don't use the Knight Rider theme. They don't use it. There's this lame. No? Not even. No. Not, they don't even like. Not even a stinger referencing it. Wow. What the fuck? They have this that's lame. That's a bad call. They have this lame, obviously, piano from a keyboard sound. It's like. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. It sounds like a Hallmark, like TV movie theme. I'm not even kidding. It's bad, and they rep- and they use that theme, this same piano when there's like a fight scene, or it's so out of place. No synthesizer at all. Like not. It's exactly. And this is supposed to be a 2000, like a future. It's supposed to be con- a continuing of the series with Michael Knight coming back. So, so it's revealed that Michael Knight retired in like 90 or 91, and he's been off the grid for nine years. They recruit him back. So, so they dismantled Kit, like the, the foundation of law government, the Knight Industries. They dismantled Kit, but the, but they still had the computer with his voice, basically, and they had it like in a fucking dumpster or something. It's so bad. This is like the the high end technology. They dismantled it. So they're trying to. So they make a new supercar that's this red piece of shit. What's the car they actually use? It looks awful. It's um, 
what was it? I'm trying to find it. They couldn't. They didn't get the rights to use a Trans Am. Uh, uh, God, go on their account. It's terrible. It's fucking terrible. They used a Dodge Stealth for the knife, a custom Dodge Stealth for it. Um, there is no action in this movie. Spoilers. There's no good uh, um, car chase scenes like in the original. Every Knight Rider episode had a car chase scene. Yeah. Every Knight Rider episode had, if for nothing else, cool stunt driving with, with turns and stuff. Every Knight Rider episode had the turbo jump. Okay, I'm looking it, up the Dodge Stealth. This had nothing in it. This was almost like, well, we don't have the we don't have the um, the budget to do a to do a, any sort of real racing on the streets, or like we'll do nothing like that. It had nothing. It had like uh, one fight scene. It had no car chases. The, the car is not. It looks good awful looking. It's at all. So it's so, bad. so so basically, they put kid into that with about a half hour left in this fucking awful TV movie. So you're not. So you, kit before that is in is in Michael's. He has like a fifty six or seven Chevy. Mm-hmm. They put it in that for part of it. The big moment of the movie is like not. You see like a, a bunch of traffic and and the night four thousand kit stopped in the old show. What would kit would have done? Kit would have either jumped over or gone on two wheels. On the two wheels, he goes into ski Did mode. You see me up on the two wheels, which happened very rarely because that's probably a more dangerous stunt. What Kit does? It cuts through the river. This was filmed in San Antonio, so they they mock Kit up into like a boat, and it goes super slow in the river, and that's the big moment for Kitness. I can't make up how bad this was. And you can see to catch up with the bad guys, you see Kit on the water. It's really on the water, but they just mocked up a shell on top of a boat. Right. And you see it go through the water. They don't even show it getting out of the water. And then all of a sudden, it's, all of a sudden it's on the street again. And they catch up to the guy. And there's, and there's a fucking fist fight in a, in a mall in San Antonio. And that's with Mitch Pelegi from X-Files, by the way, is the villain. And that's the movie. I couldn't believe it. I, and that got good ratings at the time. I looked at this and said, there's no way they would have picked this up. because this, this is a totally different tone and look than the original series. And Kit did absolutely nothing. It was so lame. I should not have watched it. That sounds awful. Miserable. Like, I should have known because the first three times I tried watching it, I fell asleep. I couldn't get through like 45 minutes of it. I'm like, this is terrible. I had to fast forward each time. And each time on Netflix, I came back, it thought I watched it since I fell asleep. I had to fast forward through the same parts again to get up to it. I mean, this is bad. But it's not so bad you want to watch it. It's right. not so bad. That no, it doesn't, it doesn't it's sound like bad. so bad it's good. It just sounds like bad. And even I think I'm looking on the Wikipedia, my, um, um uh, Hasselhoff said afterwards, like, yeah, they didn't get what made the original. No, they didn't. They didn't use the theme. They didn't use the theme. And then uh, the other thing that Kit does, it now has a virtual reality mode. So it turns into like a video game. So like, so now there's one part where like they try to, the only decent part of the movie is when they try to get the guy doing the arms deal and they fire a rocket launcher at Kit. And so then uh, Kit fires the sonic waves out and targets it like Robocop on, on the on the heads up display on the um on the on, on the glass of the car that you're looking at, like basically. So it like changed the graphics. It was like you were playing like an early nineties arcade like shooter game. That was it. It was f- I you don't understand how ter- how terribly disappointed I was. We I, bet, I, I bet we, we gotta move on, but like it was f- Yes, I was about to be like, I hate to be taskmaster here, but we gotta keep going. <laughs> Captain Intro here. It was I mean, I was so disappointed. I did not think it was gonna be as bad as it was gonna be. What's so we uh pat saw this i think last night and brought pat? it up uh it's a uh, yanko design um wooden arcade cabinet and it's uh it looks like it's very flowing 
looks like it's kind of one piece of wood the way they put it together. Um, it just looks like kind of a skin on the outside of an arcade cabinet. The sides are bare, so you can see the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. I think it looks kind of nice, but it uses an LCD screen. I don't see any place to put an arcade board in here. So you probably oh, this, is, this is like a Raspberry Pi thing. Yeah, so you probably are Raspberry Piing this or Pandora's boxing it. Yeah, they and, show a little uh, shelf and go down the picture. There's yeah, a you shelf. can put like a PS5 there. Yeah, um, this is for like a do-it-yourself thing. I mean, it's it's interesting uh, to see like arcade cabinets. You know, at this point, form over function. Yeah, with with games as popular as they are, seeing you know art piece sort of arcade cabinets that you can put into the home. Uh, one thing that I definitely want to knock is uh, it shows Outrun running on the screen, uh, and then it has two joysticks and six buttons in front. They yeah. couldn't have picked like a Street Fighter or something like yeah. more appropriate, but yeah. From, so from Yanko Design, Yanko Design, the name you can trust. Yeah, this is this is a concept. This would sell though if this was a decent price. It just included the LCD screen and the control panel. I think this would sell. It is only a concept? Yeah, I don't think you can buy it yet. Um, I, I didn't see it for sale. Hmm. This would sell. This would be like, because it looks like like an art piece. You know, it's like a nice finished wood on there. Easy to put together. Probably slots in like an Ikea. You know what I mean? Right. So the designer is Del Bianco Jody is the person there. There you go. Well, we'll see if it becomes available. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Uh, this came up uh, this morning. I added it. Canadian Gamer finishes 296 North American N64 games. I put that on there because it said they finished all the games. But I was like, working on a certain N64 guidebook, I know 296 is not the full library um, there. So there was only, uh, God, uh, how many exclusive European ones? Less than 10 exclusive European ones. Yeah, it says it down here. However, each region has a set number of video games, as there were many reasons that Nintendo had to limit the number. Yep. Them. So regions like North America received over 296 games. So. Yeah. Um, so a couple of interesting Euro-only ones. But that's all the conversation. So it's cool. They make it seem like this achievement can never be done again, which, okay, 296 games is impressive. We, we saw, um, I can't remember right now, we saw that the, the Twitch guy play all the, finish all the NES games. Yeah. That's close to 800, and he even completed stuff like Miracle Piano, like playing the piano. Sure. So I'm not saying this isn't impressive, but they act like this is once in a lifetime thing. Someone else could do this. I was saying they could. Um, it's two hundred ninety-six is not unfathomable to do sure. that. But I don't want to take away from. Not take away from. Not take away. I want to take away from. Not taking away from. Uh, what, what's the person's name on here? Where's it in the article? Uh, Ace Gamer Sam. There you go on Twitch. Congratulations to Ace Gamer Sam. Maybe I'll send you a certain N sixty four guidebook one, once once it's out there. Uh, Sam's her name. Uh, there. Uh, the thing about uh, these games is when you think about it, the reason I'm not trying to get poo poo it, but there's not a lot of RPGs in North America. There's like two, if you count Quest as Aiden's one. Chronicle Quest. Quest. That's it. Yeah. Oh, and, and uh, Ogre Battle. More, more of a more of a strategy, but sure, but it counts. It's but, a strategy RPG. Eh, uh, so there's that. 
StarCraft, StarCraft is a strategy game. It won't take you a huge amount of time. You want to say probably two to three hours probably to get through the campaign if you're probably good. Something sure. Like that. Uh, and there's a lot of games that are just racing games that will not take you a lot of time to get through the main campaigns, like an hour if you're good. So like I said, it's impressive, but like the NES, that seems still to me like the worst thing to get through some of those games. To beat like all the Koei games, all the RPGs, all of the broken games, broken games that you have to beat. That's the thing about the N64. Is Scout 2000 or whatever. Secret was, Scout. Secret Scout. By the time you get to the N64, there's not broken games. There's games that are bad, like Carmageddon, but you can get through them. It's just like, well, actually, Carmageddon's not the best one because there's some really bad design in the levels since I reviewed that one. I was going to say Superman that, 64 doesn't. Okay, really. yeah, that's that one's fairly broken. At least well, you pass the rings, I think it's reasonable. But yeah. Sure. But that Carmageddon is just, yeah, that, that's going to be seven hours to play that thing. Um, but anyway, so no, congratulations there. Um, it's a good, it's a good achievement. It's also an achievement if you go to ultimatenta.com. <laughs> it's a lifetime achievement going there to uh, look for some RBI baseball stickers. Not our best. See you podcasts, enamel pins. Uh, you got the certain certain guidebooks, NES and, and Super Nintendo guidebooks, and we have the new uh, the new stickers. Yeah, yeah. Available. Get your three pack of fun, fancy stickers. You, you got the, your uh, limited. your limited. Danny, Danny Sullivan, Sullivan. Approved. Danny approved. And, and the logo. Podcast. Everyone loves limited. the logo. Slap those on your hydro flask. Um, I got a hydro flask. Or you also got the your Frank, nail gene. Also the Frank face and the pat hair as well. Could have put on a laptop right here. You put Frank on the corner there. I gave you a Frank. You put Frank on the corner. Uh, giving that one to Vani. Even Frank to Vani. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'll be on Twitch Wednesday, twitch.tv slash country code. And then uh, I'll be, uh, yeah, no, the camera, no one cares. But camera.com slash backcountry. Don't do as much as I used to. For all your well wishing needs there. Evercade EXP, Ian. The, so, next, the next evolution of the Evercade handheld. So, yeah, some news about that. Um, it's not big, big news, but it's big news. It's big news. So, the Evercade EXP, which we covered in the past, it's a pretty slick-looking system. It's going to have the... Uh, uh, you can be you can rotate it on its side for shooters with its own little set of extra buttons. Um, they announced that, uh, in addition to the uh, Irem Arcade titles that are coming out, which I can't... I, I'm on, actually pretty excited for that because our type will be on there. Which and is Toa fun. Plan. Our pals at Toa Plan. Uh, Toa Plan, uh, we, uh, they did um, Truxton and Fire Shark, uh, Hellfire. Anyways, good stuff from Toa Plan, too. Good shit. Uh, but the uh, big news is the Evercade EXP is going to have, uh, I think it's 18 built-in Capcom games. Uh, some home titles and uh, some... Arcade titles, mostly arcade titles. They're going to have 1942, 43, 44, The Loopmaster, Bionic Commando, Captain Commando, Regular Ass Commando, Final Fight. <laughs> regular Ass, ass Commando. <laughs> I love my Regular Ass Commando. Uh, Forgotten Worlds, which will be interesting to see how they pull that off on the system because it had a rotating uh, button. Uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, Legendary Wings, Mercs, Street Ooh, Fighter Mercs. 2 Dash, Hyper Fighting. Mercs. Uh, Strider. Awesome, Volgus, and then the home console titles are Mega Man, Mega Man Two, Mega Man X, and the uh, first um, Breath this, of Fire. This is on top of the Irem and Toa Plan games. Those aren't built in. Those aren't built in. No, okay, no, just the Capcom those, games okay. are built in. Oh, those, those are gonna be upcoming carts. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Um, okay. Blaze uh, says in this article from Rice Digital that uh, Blaze is keen to stress that this is in case of redeem a code and get the games. They're pre-installed and ready to go nice. straight out of the box. Wow. 
This, uh, while this doesn't bother me, I think this is great. I have seen uh, quite a few people um, upset about the the built-in games because the they, they, they have perceived that the whole point of the Evercade is that things are physical. And there is so far no announcement of the Capcom games being released on a cartridge. Uh, I get it. I get it because you, you feel like that's, you know, the main point of the Evercade. So this kind of flies in the face of it. All I can say is uh, it's a nice set of games. It's going to be a bonus for anyone who gets the Evercade yeah. EXP. And who knows? It might be a licensing thing. I, I was going to say it might, might be a, a licensing, licensing thing. It might, really it might be Capcom that is, you know, basically yeah. saying that you have to do it this way. I realize how it looks, but if it's a one time thing, like I said, it's a nice bonus. And who knows? They may release the carts in the future. Yeah, because the uh, the the original uh, verses hasn't come out that long ago, so if, if you want to, if you if you're a little hesitant about buying the upgraded console this soon, it's a, it's a bonus. Like I said, it's a bonus to do it, right? Because that hasn't been out for what two years on even the original the EXP or the original Evercade. Uh, the, the the I mean the handheld one. Yeah, the original Evercade came out in 2020. I think it came out like during the pandemic. So the handheld was you know, the handheld was after that. No, so the handheld was the, first. The then handheld was first. The verse was, was just okay. last year. The verse was so two years and one year basically. We so, covered the verse earlier this year. Gotcha. It was like February. Okay, so okay, so you're talking two years in between iterations, about two to three years. Right. Um, some people might be hesitant. Some people might be the first time. I I look at it as a bonus. I never considered people being pissed about that. Uh, it doesn't bother me, but I can understand the viewpoint. That's okay. all I can really say. I can, I can, I can kind of understand the viewpoint. Just don't be assholes about it. I haven't seen any of that because I don't, I don't look at people bitching on Twitter about things like that. Um, and what's this going to cost the uh, EXP? Uh, how to pre-order? Let me see. A hundred, hundred and fifty. Hundred and fifty. Yep. Uh, pre-orders began actually literally today. Wow, this is not an ad, but. I, today it looks like september 6th and it comes out um november 24th it comes out okay so there you go you can i think it looks nice i like uh we talked about i think we talked this before but i like the, the button layout on this i do too the buttons look cute um and then you have this like i said you have the side buttons uh so when you turn it you can play like your shooters and you know vertical arcade games so it's interesting it's interesting to do that i've never seen that before so that's an interesting little little piece there and that's a good that's a good list of uh, Capcom games. That's pretty solid. Yeah, it is. It's really not bad. I'll have Mercs. You don't see Mercs uh, too often brought up there. And uh, these are all arcade ones. Okay, the arcade uh, Bionic Command I'm not in love with. I prefer to have the NES one. That's because I'm used to the NES one there. Uh, what else is going on here? Mario Kart World Tour is ditching their gotcha random ass mechanics yeah now you can just buy the characters you want what a fucking novel idea um i really thought that the gotcha aspect of mario kart world tour kind of flew in the face of what we kind of think and assume about nintendo um i've only played this game a little bit i actually thought it um was a lot of fun uh i was surprised at how how well mario kart translated to the phone and it was interesting to me because I got to the point where I could play it with one hand, but it felt, it felt, it felt fun. So I know a lot of people still play it. I know Treg was really into, really into it. It's one of the phone games he really likes. And I'm just happy like people it. don't have to spend, you know, all this money to, you know, maybe get the character they like. Sure. So that's good. Um, then obviously, probably Nintendo figured, well, it's, it's a good, uh, 
it's good PR, but maybe they realize we can't milk it for that much more anyway. <laughs> it's, right. It's like a combination. So, you know, uh, I enjoyed it. I played it for a couple of weeks. I, it was too easy. I felt like the races were, it was too easy with, with the little yes. helpers. I almost never lost a race when I played. I was just like, this is kind of a little too easy, but whatever. I'm also good at regular Mario Kart, but I just didn't. I'm not into it. I, I like the tactile feel of regular Mario Kart. But it's it's one of their probably one of their better mobile games. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. probably their best one. I would so, say. I never play like their uh, Animal Crossing one or anything. So, uh, limited print publisher, Dispatch Games, is uh, in the news for allegedly taking customer funds for pre-orders and not fuf- not fulfilling them. Um, I don't know anything about this, but people are saying this is a thing that's been happening. Uh, I never heard of this company before. Dispatch games. I mean, at this point, there's like ten of these companies putting out, you know, uh, limited print runs of stuff that limited run games first started. Now there's like so many of these I can't keep track. You know, there's super rare games. There's strictly limited games. There's there's all these variations of the of, of, uh, super rare. And I say that strictly limited. God. So I I don't know anything about this stuff, but I, I guess I I there's an article here on seafoamgaming.com who's been following this. There's been a couple of articles throughout, a few articles. Uh, one was put out in June in an opinion saying I've seen enough. The final verdict on Dispatch Games, uh, not really the final final one because now this one says that uh, uh, this is the, what the, what the uh, the author says. What the author's name on here? Uh, the Dreaming Hawk says Dispatch Games is dead. Brian Shore stole your money. Not mincing words here. Um, so they've been act- they they were an active business in the state of Tennessee. They probably didn't pay their fees, their LLC fees, um, which doesn't mean necessarily they shut down operations. But if you can't afford the filing, that's not good. Right. We talked about it within television at one point. If you can't afford the filing um, and you're letting shit like that slip, what else is wrong? Yeah, they didn't pay their admin fees. Um, yeah. So it says they were inactive in the state of California as well. Um so, I, like I said, I have not been following this. I, there, there's no rabbit hole that I've gone down about this. I'm going to say is this. There's a lot of these companies now. There's probably at least eight or nine of these that I know about. There might be more. I Am Apid has their own imprint. Um, it seems like anyone can get into this business. It does somehow. At this point, I haven't looked into it. Don't tempt me. But it seems like there's a lot of people doing this, and it's not that hard to get into this. If all these companies haven't sprung up, be very, very careful. I guess when you uh, put your money into these companies, you be very careful of making sure that they, obviously someone has to be, you know, the canary in the coal mine when they first start, but like, be careful that these companies put out their products before you uh, put in a lot of money on pre-orders. That's the only thing I could say. Right. Know the rep of the company. Cause if, if this, if this company allegedly took money and hasn't fulfilled pre-orders, well then that's, that's bad, obviously. So, um, Yeah. Like I said, I haven't been kept keeping up with it. We'll see if something happens with their. Hopefully, people get their refunds or get their games. You know. Before we jump into the next topic, we didn't bring uh, it up in the intro. Um, Cowabunga? I, 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 yeah, I wanted to mention that I, I've, I've been playing the Cowabunga collection. Um, it's great as as we kind of expected it would be. Um, we you know we talked more in depth about it right after Comic Con, and there's not a whole lot to add to that. But I will say, um, after. Uh, um, playing a bunch of uh, not Manhattan Project Hyperstone Heist last night, I decided to dive into some of the game development documents and all the stuff that was in the museum because okay. we weren't able that wasn't really able to be shown. Um, 
And uh, it's great. They don't have design documents for every game, but they have a lot of design documents for like five or six of the games. Plus, they've got all sorts of other stuff, the boxes, promotional material. Um, But the game design documents are really a lot of fun to look at. And I really enjoyed going through the design documents for the first Ninja Turtles game. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw some of that. Uh, Chris showed me some of that. Uh, and the Mauser, yeah, they, yeah, they just didn't have all of it ready on the menu. Sure. But yeah, like the the sketch of the giant Mauser. Yeah, uh, it, I mean it, it's it's great stuff, and uh, you know it reminds me that this is. Um, this is this is a huge part of these um, digital eclipse releases. The part that I really really like, uh, and the SNK collection had a great one. Street Fighter 30th Anniversary collection had a great one, and this one is awesome too. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, there's a lot of great games on that Cowabunga collection, but make sure you take the time to go into um all that extra stuff that they managed to put in there because it's yeah. great. It's 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 a blast to look at, and uh, it's all translated too. Um, he's got little translation overlays on all the, the Japanese design docs. So you're not just looking at something. You can actually kind of understand what they're doing. And everything's searchable. There's metadata on everything. Yep. That's the thing Chris was telling me, how painstakingly, you know, him trying to attach metadata tags to every everything, single yeah. piece of, of material in that. That's a lot that of That is wild devotion but to like, the project. Then it's you, great. They, but then you can search for everything easily and bring it up. Yeah, like that's that's the power of digital. You it's, can you can do that. It's awesome. Uh, one thing, and not to complain because it's not really Uh-oh. a complaint, but I would have loved to have seen um, uh, Hyperstone Heist design documents just because I want to see how aware they were of what they were pulling from. Because Hyperstone Heist really does kind of play like a a, a remix of Turtles in Time with some other stuff in okay. there. I, I it would have been interesting to kind of see their thought process behind putting that on the Genesis. But other than that, I, no, I, it's, see, it's oh, awesome. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Would have liked to have seen how they pieced that game together. Cool. Um, we would talk about Pawn Stars for at least a year. Every year or so, especially with the, the shady stuff that happened on the two or three Pawn Stars appearances about the SEAL games. Remember it went from uh, the Atari games, well, I don't think this is a thing happening. Next time uh, you have you know one of, the, one of the three people that bought the, the Super Mario for a hundred thousand with with Jim Halpern from Heritage Auctions, and they go, oh, I want a million dollars for it. And, <clears throat> and then Dennis Kahn, uh, one of the founder of WADA, uh, goes, um, oh yeah, this is this is the next big thing, like comic books and all this stuff happening. So we've covered that garbage before. This is a little bit more subdued, but it was Rob the robot. Box Rob comes on Pawn Stars. We sold to Chumley. The uh, the expert again is Dennis Kahn from uh, WADA Games. Which I don't know if he does responsibility does anything at Watt anymore. This is the first uh, since the lawsuit. This is the first Pawn Stars thing I've become aware of. But this is probably filmed before the lawsuit because this was came out June fifteenth. So this probably was filmed months ahead of time. If I had to guess. So in here, you got a guy brings in a box. Rob uh, Chumley talks about it. Uh, doesn't know what he's talking about. And a couple of things like saying, "Oh, it doesn't have the accessories." The box Rob didn't come with accessories, which Dennis tells him about. Um, I would have loved to have it open to see if it has the the wafer thin styrofoam, which is the only thin styrofoam I've ever seen in my life like that, especially in a Nintendo. It's like the paper sheet like styrofoam. Right? It's very it's, thin. Yeah, it's it can crack. Sure, and it, but it covers Rob like his body. Like it's like it's you know what I mean. It doesn't sit in. It like covers his body, and it's like a it's almost like a clamshell thing. 
So mine has it, and I have the manual. It came with the manual originally. I believe it came with with the glasses for bright TVs as well. That came also with the deluxe. I'm not sure if mine has the glasses. So it didn't come with a huge amount of things because you bought the big box gyromite and stack up, which had the parts for it, the individual hands and pieces. Right. right. So so Chumley didn't know that, but not a lot of people do. I forget sometimes. Dude's either. looking a lot healthier these oh, days. He, oh, he's dropped uh, he's dropped it's, tons of weight. It's amazing. Which was great. Yeah. Um. So. So so he asked for originally eight hundred bucks. Chung Lee goes, I'm gonna get an expert in. Here comes good old Dennis Khan, who just happens to be nearby, and says, Oh, this is important. Talk about the video game crash. It's a toy, it's a stuff we all know it know at this point. And then it ends up selling for what does it end up selling for? Uh two seventy five. Yeah, he sells it for two eighty five. Two eighty five. It ain't worth that much. No. That's the only thing. It's like it's not it wasn't worth eight hundred dollars. The ones that you see sold for a ton of money are the mint ones. Like the ones where this box was beat up. The ones where the boxes are in great shape. I, I see going for a lot of money to have everything. This had like nothing. I don't think it even had the styrofoam and it was beat up. So I looked on eBay, no idea. Beat up ones in boxes went for $150, $200, maybe $250. So like doesn't go for a lot of money, these. That's the thing. It, it doesn't go for what did, did the expert said they go for. Right. Doesn't go, what do you say go for? Like four fifty, five hundred, whatever he said. Yeah, I wonder how far back it was filmed. The only thing I can think of is that maybe if it was filmed way earlier, pandemic prices might have been stupid. But I, uh, I I told you before we started this, I've had a lot of Robs at, at, at Luna, even a few in the box, and they've never gone for I mean, they they you can, we could get two hundred for them, but they weren't. They certainly weren't double that. Yeah, there's well, it's one of those things where a lot of people aren't aware of it to begin sure. with. But again, it's it's a very particular weird item. It's not. It doesn't have a game. It's just Rob. You gotta love Rob. But again, like I think the box is like the condition when it comes to it. Like I think it's the box. When I when I put on uh, completed listings. Um, yes, there's not a lot of them. There absolutely is not. 187 one went for September. That, that literally yesterday it went for. A um, couple went for 250 uh, here. Um, or actually, that one it looks like it was relisted. It looks like it wasn't paid for, and they relisted it. One went for 360. They relisted it the same exact picture for 255. But that had that had the glasses and had the warranty uh, on it. So like I said these one went for 144 with the box. They don't go for a lot of money. No. So I'm going to say this, uh, Chum, you, sh- you, know, you shouldn't pass on a couple NWC cards. That was probably the one you shouldn't have passed on. Ten years ago, Ian. That was ten years ago that happened. Jesus. Can you believe that? Jesus. Ten years ago, Atari, uh, Atari age, Nintendo age was, was uh, attacking me, uh, foaming at the fucking mouth. Ten years ago already. My favorite website. Can you believe that? It's been ten years. It's been a while. That was pre-podcast. I th- could have sworn that was during the podcast. It wasn't. That was before the podcast. Really? Yeah, 2012. Okay. Podcast was yeah, well, podcast was 13, buddy. Yeah, by, by, yeah, well, well before, well before. So that's it for our intro. Go, go, go! Watch some Paw and Stars every now and then. It's been it's been on for like 12 years now. It's been on for a while. Oh God, I'm sorry about. You're so you tired. Your sleep has been rough lately. But. This portion of the CU podcast is brought to you by Monk Pack. Monk Pack offers low sugar. Keto-friendly bars, which are plant-based, gluten-free, and non-GMO. They're the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. Monk Pack Keto Granola Bars and Nut and Seed Bars contain 1 gram of sugar, 2 to 3 grams of net carbs, and each bar contains about 150 calories. 
They have great, fantastic flavors. My personal favorite is the coconut cocoa chip. I can't get enough of this one. Um, they have a great texture, and other flavors they have include like sea salt dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, and they just launched two new flavors, peanut butter cocoa chip and dark chocolate cocoa, both of which I've had, and I enjoy both of them greatly. They're perfect for a quick breakfast, a snack between Zoom calls, or as a guilt-free indulgent dessert. By shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store and have Monk Pack delivered right to your door. I personally love Monk Pack as like a they're, they're the perfect snack to have in between the podcast and going back to work. They really do make like a quick lunch when I can't get away from you know my job or whatever. Uh, they're not just for people eating keto either. They're a great snack for anyone looking to reduce their sugar intake while still enjoying delicious, flavorful snacks. They contain real ingredients ingredients that are delicious and nutritious for your whole family. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no sugar alcohols, soy, or artificial colors. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code CUPODCAST at checkout or just simply click the link in the description down below to get 20% off. Monk Pack is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So get yourself some yummy bars at monkpack.com. You know what's going to wake you up, Ian? A little Amico chat. So we, we do the podcast every Tuesday. People know that. It's public news. People, We do our recording. It comes out on audio on um, on anchor.fm slash see podcast. We do our premieres. So it ha- it's been a coincidence or uh, it's been a pattern of behavior, I'd say, over the past year and a half, yeah. uh, maybe two years, where a a bit of a, a television Amico news would drop on a Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday night. Um, after we record the podcast. And some people say, you guys are crazy. It has nothing to do with you, even though... Oh, well, I didn't think it had anything to do um, with us for a while, but it just started to happen too much. It's a pattern of behavior. It's a pattern. And, and no one regularly releases shit on a Tuesday afternoon, so it's not like... And before you all say you guys are full of yourselves, I will keep in mind that the former CEO did a 55-0-minute response to us that we never talked about we should do it one day no we, we plan um, on doing it um, at some point and besides that i have insider info that tommy would bring me up randomly on phone calls uh to other people that that were like there was no reason to bring my name up ever and i would come up in conversation so they they were well aware of our impact and our coverage because for um the first i'd say two and a half years we were the only uh i'd say major youtube channel being even a little bit critical Oh, yeah. About how this looked, uh, people were either biting their tongue or or donning in television gear and sweatshirts and giving virtual hand jobs to a CEO for several hours at a time and doing infomercials. So we were the only ones being semi-critical when it came to it. But that said, pieces of information came out afterwards. It was another update from now current CEO Phil Adam that came out right afterwards. Yes. So uh, looking at it, um, Phil Adam, this is kind of a long one. I, I will I will pick and choose some bits here. You're going to pick and choose? I, I, I would like blow through it. Okay. Greetings. This is Phil Adam, CEO of Intellivision. I had planned to respond sooner with the company status, mm-hmm. but the team has been working through some production pipeline bugs that have delayed this update. As I've stated previously, updates from myself will be made when material facts are available and relevant. This is a lie because nothing here is concrete. However, that being said, here are a few updates. Uh, update. One of the few pri- uh, one of the primary goals 
for the small pilot run was to uncover any issues in the production pipeline before starting a larger production run. Fortunately, we did catch one significant problem. Diagnosing this issue and implementing a solution was a significant effort and caused a delay. The symptoms pointed to a bug in the controller firmware. Again, these controllers are always the fucking... It, it, it's, the, it's the albatross. Um, but that was not the case. The problem was an order of operations issue when provisioning the console on the production line with its unique identifiers and security keys. This just well, sounds like babble. Yes, we don't need to, we don't need to know this. Yeah, we don't. Even if it's true, I don't need to know this. Right. The error manifested on the next reboot in a way that looks like a controller bug. With that resolved, the path is clear to finish the pilot run in the next few weeks. So, this is issue one. I want to point out that oh, it God. took them. Three months ago, Phil Adams said you're going to start seeing, uh, you know, some of these little production units, uh, pre-production units within a few weeks. It took them three, three months to fix this. Well, I'm trying to really figure out here that. So are they saying that they in California are setting up in theory what a what a production unit could look like based upon how it would be on the line somewhere in China and in doing this? In like firing up all the consoles to test and the controller, this is where this bug came out. Like this is not something. It took them this long to discover an issue like this. That there yeah. was there was a um, what is it's a it's not firmware. It's a provision. Whatever the case is, it's some software issue. It sounds like it's a software issue that they it took them this long to figure out. Okay, okay. Two. We signed a licensing deal with BBG Entertainment GmbH, the details of which will be announced later. Here is a quote from Steven Berenson, Managing Director. We are very pleased to have licensed four Amico games in the original game versions from Intellivision. For the past three years, we have been working with Intellivision on the development of our games Dynablaster and Brain Duel for Amico. We are excited about Amico and hope that customers will be as well. We are looking forward to offering the four licensed Amico games in original Intellivision versions on other platforms okay. soon. Okay. So this is a lot here. There's there's a lot here. There's a fucking lot here. Yep. So so much. The, so the company that developed these games with Intellivision, I guess some sort of backing at some point, including Dino Blaster and Brain Duel, they are licensing their own developed games to put out, to put out on other consoles because they realize they yeah. probably said this console isn't fucking coming out ever. Dynablaster and oh. Brain Duel were not... They, these were not games that were developed for specifically the for the Amico. Brain right. Duel was an iPhone game, probably under a different name. And Dynablaster is simply just... I, I mean, not to sound mean. It's a fucking cheap reskin of, of, of Bomberman. But I believe at one point you can go to the website and you can see it there. And they were talking about it coming out on other platforms, I believe. Yeah. So the point is this. So through this convoluted mess... Uh, maybe they got some backing from Intellivision, some money to do this. Television is licensing their own games back to them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They're allowing them to come out with these games and other co- and Intellivision is probably going to get a cut of that. But like, this is not like any. This is not news good for the Amico for two reasons. One, it tells you that well, they probably put a gun to their head and say, "We want to come out with these games because we know this console isn't coming out. We're like years. We're two years overdue now, right? For for these games, at least." And this tells you that what we always said, 
there's no reason for these games to be exclusive to on the Amico. Amico. Tommy, remember when you called me an idiot for saying that there was no way that the controller was absolutely necessary? And your response to it was an angry, yes, Ian, I am saying that they can only be done on that. Well, that's ridiculous because there's nothing special about your stupid fucking controller. Um, if you didn't have that stupid fucking controller, you might have actually gotten the system out. It would have still sucked, but you might have gotten something out. And um, it would have been a lot less money to, uh, for people to buy as well. And, and, and now there's less reasons for anyone to own an Amico. The more these games get licensed out to other platforms, the less of a reason there is to spend $300 oh. on a fucking system to play them. And this also kills you because um, whatever price that's going to be offered on the Switch, we'll just say, or the PS4 slash 5 or the Xbox or Steam, I can guarantee you the price offered on these other platforms would be less than what the uh, the Intellivision people would offer the games to be on the Amico. Right. Like the, whole, the whole $299 uh, to $790 thing was all smoke and mirrors and blustery bullshit. Well, it went up anyway, though. Oh, I know it did. That's what I'm getting yeah. at. And then they said, you know, they said, well, you know, $10. And then they said some will be 20 With the Phil Adam price hike, there's, and they said that the games would be more expensive. There's no way they, they would have to sell these at 20 bucks to make any sort of money back. Their original business model did not allow for profit. Well, on the on the software, Where? yes, on the hardware, that's where they want to make all their money. Um, so, Dyna Blaster, I can picture being a game that you'd buy for on on Switch for like six bucks, seven bucks, five to eight ten bucks, five to ten. Fair enough. The point is, is that 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 would undercut them if the console ever came out. I can almost guarantee you they'd be for more money. Brain uh, Duel, ten bucks, and these are going to be two games that are always in the sale folder for five bucks, for three bucks, or three five bucks. bucks. Uh, here's the next one. No, no one wants fucking great value bomber, man. Point three. So I want to go through everything here. We have another partnership deal, partnership with the people that develop the games, maybe, that will ensure that two of our most anticipated IPs will be available across multiple platforms as well as the Amico. The details of that relationship will be announced at a later time. The target for these IPs is simultaneously or later with or later. I'm going to. With the Amico release, so these are uh, so this is probably another developer saying, "What the hell's going on?" This is like either like the the Space Strikers people that game's been done uh, probably forever, or someone else saying, uh, "We have to make money. We can no longer be exclusive. You are killing us. We are sitting on you know we have all this uh, money and time put into these games, and we can't do anything with these games." Um, again, though, this what does it also tell you? Uh, first of all, what the hell is the most anticipated IPs? Is it, is it Evil Knievel that was available on iOS before they pulled it? What is it? Uh, if they weren't bullshitting, uh-huh. What's the most which they are, it would be, and my understanding is these games have not been worked on for years, but the two most anticipated, if you discount Earthworm Jim, would probably be Cloudy Mountain and Night Stalker. But I don't think that's what it is. I just, I don't. Because, because... They wouldn't. They could fund those games themselves. Probably other ocean. Yes. They, if they, if they, if they, wanted, they wanted to, to, they could. So I see what you're saying. So, so I, I don't think th- it's those. What battle tanks? What's what's an anticipated IP? Like Shark what, Shark. One that's cornhole. We, cornhole never worked. We know that with the controllers, the controller never worked. Func- the function with with that. So what is it? Uh, next next uh, paragraph. Given that we will have a limited number of. Amico units initially, yes. Whatever you have in your fucking warehouse, yeah. Next to uh, all the all the cars and shit that Nick was storing, uh, these partnerships will get the games into more hands who have been wanting, waiting to play while helping get the word out to a large audience. Okay. So what this means is this is 
we thought they've had every every they've done every final thing they can do. This is a desperate this hail is, mary. B, this is beyond a hail mary. What's beyond a hail mary? What's a glory be a glory be uh, nuke? What is yeah. it? So uh, they are oh. going to manufacture. I'm going to guess ten to twenty five manufacture. They're going to hand assemble ten to twenty five units. They are going to preload them with whatever they have, however, whatever the progress is on these games, and they are going to ship them out to the handful of YouTubers that are still uh, holding on for dear life, holding on that are still <laughs> Miko positive, uh, maybe some random outlets. They are going to hope for positive coverage and they are going to cross their fingers and pray like hell that they are going to get some investment money. But at this point, I don't think any vest, no investor is going to touch this. This looks like pathetic groveling. Yes, this this I, I and I, I said it to someone online legal stuff with with things like these things like this. It's hard to make legal charges stand. But I think in this, terms of, of like fraud, you mean or? Yeah, it's hard to make that stuff stick. Sure. However, I do think that this is partially a um, uh, this is partially being done in defense so they can say we tried. We got something out. We tried. It failed. Dumb. Um, I wonder how, since a majority of their money came from Fig slash Republic, how would they feel about uh, th- this strategy? Because they're owed money yeah. back. Because, because the money came from through them funneled to Intellivision to keep them alive, uh, which happened now at this point, uh, what was that, uh, a year and a half ago that happened. It seemed like it's longer. Jesus. Uh, yeah, that was early in 2021. In my opinion, if it wasn't a scam before, that's when it became a scam, uh, you know, for real. Um, so, uh, Gatorus, who's been really good in tr- sort of analyzing things like like the A one uh, Duke of New York, uh, analyzing the money going into this uh, project, what 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 it, what it all means, uh, postulated that Fig slash Republic could be owed money from these license deals. If these if these games appear sure. elsewhere, could there be um, some sort of consequence? Would potentially, and there's a, it's a long article. It's very uh, not, not long, but it's it's wordy. But it gets into some of the legalese, and that uh, in terms of third party agreements, uh, that Fig uh, would need to approve potentially. Fig slash Republic would have to approve these deals because you're taking money out of Republic's mouth if these if the money gets siph- siphoned off on a third party sale versus on the Amico, since th- this is an Amico investment through Republic. So that's very interesting to hear. And when I saw that, what's the first thing Pat did when he said, oh, bringing up a Republic? I said, you know what? I'm going to go to the Republic page and see if there's been an update about this seems to be pretty important stuff. I would think this is something a potential investor to want to know about. Right. Yeah. Hey, these games that were going to be exclusive, that I would make money back on potentially recoup my investment. Um, maybe this is something you should tell your investors. Uh, and to my surprise, oh, no, wait, there wasn't an update about any of this to the investors no updates whatsoever there's been two updates two updates for the entire year we're talking almost three full quarters of 2022 the first was the pathetic january 10th uh update from tommy talrigo who by that point was no longer ceo but they hadn't said it publicly yet right um uh that was the first update just info dumping shit and then uh, the last update was on June 10th, three months ago. Three fucking months ago was the update to the people, Phil, that paid your fucking salary. Do, 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 do. The, and the, the people that paid Tommy's salary, 
and Nick Adams, uh, excuse me, uh, and Nick's the, the CFO salary and paid all the interest to the loans uh, everyone's paying themselves back with. No updates to any of those people. They can screw off, right? They just gave you all those millions of dollars. What was it? 10, 11 million dollars, whatever. Uh, a mere, a mere bag of shells, I guess, to people like Phil Adam and Tommy Tallarico. Just, to, just like, I'm, I don't have the energy to be infuriated for these people, but their money's fucking gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. And, and of course, uh, on the June 10th update, you weren't even allowed to leave a comment on that update. Comments were not, were disallowed on the June 10th update. So, isn't that precious? It's very precious. <laughs> very precious. Uh, do you want to watch all the times uh, Tommy said to uh, people online that all the games would be exclusive? You want to watch that video? I think it could be fun. I, I guess. Uh, let me see if I can if I can do this here. This is uh, put together by um, Beetlejuice on the Intellivision underscore Miko uh, forums here. Let's see if I can play this uh, up on here while the garbage man gets the garbage here. Let's see if we can do this here. Well, all the original stuff that we're doing, the, we're, they can't be played on any other console. Really? Another category is... Uh, by the way, um, on this one, uh, I, I like how it's very, it's very you know, you, you know, it's an objective take when, when the top right corner guy here, uh, shirtless uh, shill, wearing an Amico shirt. And uh, at this point, I don't know if his money's in the project at this point, but at some point he put in his $10,000 and lost it. And I'm sure that was always disclosed whenever he talked about the Amico publicly. It wasn't, by the way. Uh, He's got a part. fucking sewer for his soul. Uh, but um, so there you We're, go. They can't be played on any other console. Uh-huh. Another category is our original games. And what's unique about those is we really create and design those around our very unique controller. So, so Sideswiper is the car game is literally you're hitting a button to speed your car up or slow, slow it down, down or hit a button to activate one of the power-ups. Yeah. Don't need the controller for that. Nope. Night Stalker. Those types of games. Night Stalker is looks a, like an arcade action style game. It's a, it's a maze game. Uh, Biplanes. Can't be played. You can't play a fucking flying game that's a two-dimensional flying game any other way? On any other console, even if we want that one we well that one they try to do all these convoluted methods. You could play that in other ways. Me too. The, but that's the thing. That's the thing people got to realize though is, is that the games that we're creating cannot be played on any other system, and this is with every other uh, every. This guy begged to talk to me forever. By the way, mm-hmm. Same. Uh, then attacking us every other day. Single game. This is not. This, this is this isn't a victory lap. By the way, I'm just pointing this out. No. We're creating, they cannot be played on the Switch. Mm. They cannot be played on the PlayStation. Okay. We're utilizing, we're designing these games around our unique controller. Mm-hmm. They haven't got that through their heads yet. Well, Tommy, you might want to talk to Phil Adam then about this, uh, yeah. this message that went out, because uh, this is not the message that's been coming out here. And I've been telling them that on Shut Twitter for up. a year, uh, you know, over a year now, and they still give that misinformation mm-hmm. out that any of these games Fake can news. be played on mobile. Yeah. And it's exactly... It, any of these games can't be played on mobile when this Elo Kino game was literally a mobile game. Yeah. And, and Care Bear Carts was a mobile game. The opposite. None of these games well, if can you, be played if, on mobile. If you, Imagine you know, yeah. we're choosing games that you can't have on any other console. Every single thing. Every. Oh, by the way, that was the guy that said... Uh, your favorite guy, you know, said, uh, Hey, Pat Ian, fuck you. Oh! God, God, all of this worked out really well for yeah, them. This worked out for them. Every single thing. 
every and almost none you of can, you can, by the way no one is being critical or, or like being like was this for real like no one's asking like how how give me an example how is how is uh your night stalker that has been worked on in two years how can you only use like how is biplanes you can only use your amico controller right. how can battle tanks you can only use the other that? thing is he stutters and, and and fumbles whenever he's talking about this he knows it's bullshit yeah it's off a script too probably yeah every single game that's being designed for our console cannot be played on any other system shaking his head yes yes tommy i agree why do you agree with him yeah why because and by the way i'm not trying to throw these people under the bus individually but like this is what happens just as a whole this is what happens when you have uh these youtubers conduct these quote-unquote interviewers uh, interviews where they're not uh, i don't want to say they're not qualified to but they're not critical and they're just so happy to have someone give them attention that they don't they can't for one second be like uh pull the curtain back and say wait a second is what this person telling me actually true or is this actually just an ad that they're getting away with advertising my channel for free that's the point when we talk yeah. about this oh, we don't need to watch anymore Tommy. the way we're designing and all of the games that we're doing, we're designing specifically for our It's the same controller. it's the same speech every time. For yes. our system. People are like, oh, you're gonna put these on other platforms. No, they can't be. Shaking your head no. Like you don't know that, dude. You can't agree with them. That's the point. You, you wanna stop it? Yeah, I do. I don't need to listen to fucking Tommy it's the same anymore. Fucking shit. Constantly. And it's false. And it's false. Hugely false. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. You can't agree with someone who's running a company where it's their best interest to tell you what you want to hear. Yeah. You need to ask. Ask these questions. And, and, and it's not saying when you're talking to these people, you, you have to be combative. No. But you but can at least be like, dig a little. You can dig you can, a little You bit. can even say it in a positive way. You can be like, oh, that sounds interesting. Explain to me. Explain more and see what they say. You don't have to be combative. No. Unless you honestly thought that Shark Shark could only be played on an Intellivision Amiga controller. Like, unless you honestly, in the deepest of your hearts, believe that you could only play, you know, Farkle, you know, with an Intellivision Amiga controller, like, with that sort of thing. Yeah. Anyway. It's, anyway. It's, it's sad. So anything else to add? I'm just like. No. I, it's almost like I almost wish I, I can be caught off guard at some point. Because I don't have the energy to constantly say, this was a lie, this was wrong. It's not, it's, uh, believe it or not, it's not interesting for me to, and Ian to say, we were right, Tommy was wrong constantly. Oh, yeah. I, no. We have to because it's our reputation that was, uh, you know, put on the line. Yeah. But, like, it's actually not interesting as a topic for me, us to constantly say, we were right, all these other assholes were wrong. Like, it's not. Ugh. It's not the most fun thing in the world. You might be surprised. But we were right. Uh, Ian, we have a Patreon. We do. Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you pay a little bit of money, you get the uh, full video podcast. Uh, you get the full video podcast. You get uh, the access. Uh, you can get access to the bonus bits. Uh, listen uh, listen to my story this morning about Constipated Spike. Uh <laughs> Um, you get uh, we do hangouts we do monthly hangouts writing writing and we have a pin uh, club now pin club all sorts of good stuff my duck all sorts of good stuff okay this was not close but it's kind of was an unfair one this is actually and the one that's been losing every week is actually one of the better ones we've had in a while it's just been going up against some better ones that keep beating it 
Um, in second place, this is a, a shellacking. This 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 is this is a fair and fair and democratic like Putin election here results is grading or reselling worse for video game collecting 12 percent I can't remember the last time one was that low 12 percent and in first place 88 percent games or consoles that Luna customers regretted buying I mean this isn't a, a tales from the game story though I wish it was since people love those but it's a trip down memory lane maybe ta- uh, thinking back to customers either being excited for a game not realizing what a game was, maybe recommend a game that didn't understand it and still bought it, you know, things like that. So I tried to be pretty, I, I honestly tried not to recommend stuff that I really didn't think people would like. So if there was a weird game that I liked or I thought was good or had some merits, um, but I didn't think it was a home run, I would oftentimes shy away from recommending it unless someone asked for something weird or, you know, kind of off the beaten path. Um, uh, the uh i what 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 usually ended up happening was that a lot of people would not listen to my recommendations when they asked and that's when they would oh be, that's when they would they be, would go against ian's that that's where they would they they would end up you know coming back and 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 returning stuff um main thing is you know to state this up front one of the main rules of business is is if someone picks something up brings it up to the counter wants to buy it, doesn't ask any questions, you sell it to them. Um, one, it's a good business practice because you just, you got to make that money. We have an exchange policy. If they really hate it, they can come back and exchange it. It's fine. Uh, the other thing is, customers don't like to be told they're wrong. People in general like to be told they're, told they're wrong. wrong but yeah, uh, you know, if I went to a record store and I brought a record up there that I wanted to buy and the guy was like, oh, this is garbage. Be like, well, just fucking let me buy it, man. Like, it's, it's not. Why do you have it in the store if it's yeah, garbage? It's, you don't want someone it's, to buy it's, it. It's not your. It's not your problem. And I have seen video game stores and people do that, where they they kind of like utilize their opinion as the be all end all, and they will. They'll like judge stuff at the counter. You don't want to do that. You don't ever want to judge something at the counter. You just fucking sell it. Um, but the area where I always got the most exchanges was people trying to buy games for their kids on any system that was not a Nintendo system. Uh-oh. So, you know, we've talked about it a little bit before when, when, when we were growing up, kind of the first generation of, of folks to grow up with video games as part of our everyday lives. Um, you know, they were, they were definitely skewed a little bit more towards kids. You know, we brought that up when we were talking about uh, NES games last week, about how it was weird to see something like a Predator or a Terminator or a Hudson Hawk yeah. on a system back then because that just movies. Yeah, that wasn't that yeah. wasn't the market at the time. Um, so you know, we grow up, and as we got older, the real target demographic for games ended up being like that eighteen to thirty-five demographic. Um, And I'd say that's probably even expanded a little bit more now to maybe something like 20 to 45. So a couple of things. When parents would come in and try and they'd ask, like, what's a good system for my kid? I'd always try to steer them towards uh, for young kids, especially. I'd try to steer them towards a Nintendo system, whether it was a Wii or a Switch or Super Nintendo, or whatever it was that the kids wanted. Something they can play with their friends. I'd actually recommend Nintendo 64s for that sort of thing. Um, but I've had parents, uh, more than once, who would buy, like, PlayStation 2s, or Xbox 360s. 
for, you know, like their six-year-old or their seven-year-old. And they would fairly regularly get returned in exchange for something else because they couldn't find games for their kids on them. Okay. Now, some parents don't necessarily care so much about the violence or whatever, the, you know, the gore in games. So, you know, you've got kids playing teen games or mature games or whatever, you know, young children. But um, you have a lot of parents who will come in. They'll ask me of what they should get. I explained to them the situation. They would buy a 360. They would come in the next week to buy some games for their kids. And they'd be like, I, uh, I need games that are rated E for everyone. I'm sorry, I explained to you that that's not, that's not really something you get on 360 mm-hmm. PS3. Um, I think that's really kind of the era where that started to happen, where you got less and less of these, these kids or kid oriented games. And then you did get some, like some of the, uh, like the Transformers movie games or the Iron Man game. And, you know, those would be some of the only options you had. And parents would gravitate them. And when they would ask, what do you think about it? I'd be like, they're not very good. They take them home. They bring them back the next day. Why? Because they suck and the kids get frustrated. They always wanted to go for the cheapest games. And I'd be like, you know, try these Lego titles. These are actually pretty fun. Mm -hmm. Ah, My kid likes Captain America. Okay. All right, fine. But I'm going to see this game come back the the next day. Um, You don't say that, though. (laughs) <laughs> no, I don't say that, but I'm just saying I know I know I'm going to see that that come back the next day. So that that's really a, a lot of it is is parents trying to find games on on systems, and I think they just I think it's it's parents that don't play um, as many games. You know, they, they they grew up with them, of course, but they don't play many. They remember video games. They remember having fun, but they haven't really paid attention to the fact that. Uh, video games have aged up with us, and sure. in a way, it's it's kind of left um, it's kind of left kids in the dust. Uh, the other thing that happens uh, is that with like NES games and Super Nintendo games, in particular, Genesis games, retro stuff, um, people will buy based on what they remember from childhood, and then realize that it was a game they played because they had it, but it's not very good. So, so do they usually remember that or you have to like remind them? Like, no, hey. no, they remember it later and, and bring it back and okay. exchange it. So if someone brings up an NES game, uh God, what's one that's like a borderline one that we just play because we liked it? Like, Rampage so- is one that would get exchanged back a lot. Because we all remember Rampage from being kids and we all remember, hey, beating up buildings as large monsters is fun. But I would get that game back all the time because people would be like, I'm I'm just I'm bored of it within half an hour. Or maybe you had Spy versus Spy as a kid, but then you get them like, this is not a fun game, you know, for them. Right. Anymore. And, th- like and that's, that, exa- that's all you had when you were kids, so you had to play it. And that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, other big ones would be like some of the LJN games. People would pick those up and then realize, eh, maybe this isn't so good. A, a big, big one on the Super big, Nintendo. Big. big, big! A big, big one on the Super Nintendo. Uh, X-Men Arcade's Revenge. I had that as a kid. And it's you got to get used to that one. There's a learning curve to that game. Two and a half stars, average game, according to a certain SNS guy book. But boy, the expectations were sky high when that came out. Yep, that one yeah, would get. That, re- I can see that. That one would get uh, brought back uh, uh, quite from, a bit from people that were first buying for the first time, or people that already owned it before. People who owned it before. Yeah, you had a you had to learn to love that game. 
Yep. Very challenging, very frustrating game. And I found that to be um, the case with, you know, uh, you know, a lot of those superhero games, even the considerably, you know, well, they looked nice. The um, X-Men Mutant Apocalypse and uh, the uh, Avengers War of the Gems. I haven't played that one. They're very similar games. They look nice. They were kind Basically, of the start. Marvel's War of the Gems. Marvel's War of the Gems, yeah. They look kind of, they, they're nice because the graphics and the animation, that's where they kind of start to get that Capcom Marvel verse. Yeah, animation. the mid 90s look. Yeah, they're, they're, they're nice sprites, yeah. but the games are boring. And so a lot of the times when people bring games back, it, it really is just, it's, it's a, it, it, it's misremembered, it's misremembered youth. You know, this sure. is stuff that we had and we played and now we don't really like it. Oh, big one. Mortal Kombat 1 on the Super Nintendo. People have fond memories of that one? They Well, it's not so much fond memories. They buy it thinking they know what they're getting. And then they remember there's no blood. They didn't know that? And the game sucks. And they bring it back. That's something you never forgot. Like That's something we never will forget that. Well, I mean, certain people like us are never going to forget that. But someone who, you know, doesn't really pay attention to these old games, it happened a lot where people would buy it and they would bring it back. And they're like, this isn't the one I was thinking of. I'm like, you're probably thinking of Mortal Kombat 2. Which is an excellent port. Super, both Super Nintendo and Genesis got pretty good ports of 2. And uh, I'm like, 2 is what you're thinking of. Absolutely yeah. what you're thinking of. So yeah, Mortal Kombat would be like, that's, that's a missed, uh, you know, a, a missed memory. And um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of it. In, in terms of consoles that people bought and uh, would bring back, NESs, 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 um, NESs. Because, uh, and I feel like we talked about this a little bit recently, too, in some topic, but no one wants to care for an NES. No one wants to clean their games. Everyone buys the NES <clears throat> so much during the holiday season. People would buy NESs and bring them back because they don't want to do the bare minimum maintenance. They've all been spoiled by modern systems where you hit power and it goes on. Or it doesn't, and it means it's broken. Mm -hmm. So they all think when you turn an NES on for the first time and you're putting a dirty cart in there and it's flashing the title screen, it's broken. And it sucks because what, what's your alternative? I, I, and I, I'm not, I almost I, feel like you should have had like a printout to give to each NES sold. Like, this is the care and maintenance sheet. I really should have. I mean, honestly, that would have saved you Because, I mean, I gave everyone the spiel. The problem is, is no one yeah. ever listened to it. I, know. I could sit there and show everyone how to clean their yeah, games. Yeah. They'd take everything home. Then they'd bring it back, and it's broken. And I'd be like, and they're like, here are the games that I had that I played. I'm I, like, did you clean them? I would have had a, a no. tip sheet. And yeah. Like, here's your NES tip sheet. Rubbing alcohol, Q-tips. This is what you do if it's blinking. This is what you do if it's a solid color. Bippio Q-tippy says, "Fucking clean your games." Bippio, what is Bippio Q-tippy? Mister Menda says this. Yeah. <laughs> Put some arms and legs in the Menda bottle. Oh, Bippio Q-tippy. Um. Anyway, yeah. So th that's pretty much it. NESs would always come back, and then that yeah. was the pipeline. That was the pipeline to Retron. You know, Hyperkin, and uh, you know, I know people don't love them, but for some people, that's exactly what they need. Yeah, and it's HDTV compatible out of the box. The you newer know, ones, the newer are, ones yeah. are, yeah. So, yeah, there it is. So that was the console regret. The big one was the NES. The, the big one was the NES. It wasn't. It was you know, people Not, who were buying 3DOs and fucking you know Jaguars. They knew what they were getting. They knew it was weird. And, they no. knew it was weird. They knew what and they it, were getting. And but it, no, it, it, it Atari was... regret? Any re Atari regret? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was in a share. Absolutely Atari regret. 45 year old that's like, oh, I played this when I was six years old. And it's just like, oh, this is not what I wanted. 
Like, or I got my nostalgia out of the way in 20 minutes. Well, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was definitely Atari regrets. Um, and one of the main reasons there was Atari regrets is it's just, it's a, it's a nightmare and it's ugly to hook it up to a modern TV. I know a lot of people who bought it and I'm like, this is well, going to be gross. Well, plus the games when you're four are okay, but when you're like 45, it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, Pitfall's fun for 15 minutes, but I don't want to play it now for like a, like a month. There's like 10 Atari yeah. games that I can play pretty regularly. Uh, Pitfall, Yars. Um, all right. You know what I'm saying, though. Yeah, most but of the yeah, games yes. Most of the games are going to be five minutes things, and that's they're, it. They're like, yeah, it's one step up from, pl- from having a handheld you know, game, an LED game in your hand. It's basically the same generation of stuff. Yep. Yeah, I, I can picture the Atari regret. But funny enough, the, the Atari is easier to maintain than NES in the games. Uh, so, <laughs> What's know, that? The, the Atari is easier to manage than an NES. It is. If for whatever reason, those cartridges can get really dirty and still fire up. Yeah, but it has the protector on them, too, so it's not exposed. On some of them, yeah, the, yeah, that protector was really actually a very cool idea. Yeah. This is interesting to think about. Like, oh, you know, the games were actually... It's almost fifty years old, forty-five years old. The console, but they can they can still they're still kicking there. Well, yeah. you know, thanks for that. Yeah, it was no, fun. No, no Game Boy regrets. No, no, I bought a Game Boy. Didn't like the green and black colors. No, because no, we generally did not sell. A, that was one of our little secret things. We generally no OG did Game not sell OG Game Boys because of uh, a, lot, a lot of defects. The, sure. the 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 lines you the know screens. that you get from from loose solder joints the screens and honestly because a lot of people would buy them and and, and return them um so you know we always had a few on hand and if someone really wanted them we could you know we could figure out how to get what, someone one what did you do with the trade-ins then for all the game boys when they came in did you, did we you didn't we generally did not take them really yeah we generally just for the time for the free bin uh, i mean if, if 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 there was free ones sure but yeah in general we did not oh, okay Okay, well, thanks for that non-tale from the game store. You're welcome. You say you're welcome? You're welcome. May the Schwartz be with you. You're welcome. This segment of the CU Podcast is brought to you by Into the AM. They have premium, high-quality apparel, including nice graphic tees, basic tees, hoodies, and even boxer briefs. I'm wearing the Grand Terrain tee. If you want a little bit of the outdoors action right there, got the mountains, got the moon right there. You got the happy hour tee. Yeah, with the tiki mug, I think this is really fitting for me. Into the AM has different collections and themes, so whatever you're into, you'll find something that fits your style. They've got space themes, animal, skull, festival-style themes. The shirts are ultra-soft, they're pre-shrunk, tailor-fitted, and they use eco-friendly inks. And these really are, like, nice and soft, very comfortable. I like this one. This is the Lost Signal tee. This is from the uh, festival collection right here. And then this is the Overseer tee. This is also one of my favorites. It's like a little alien outdoors thing right there, a little... Little alien. Coming. I really like the line work on that. Yeah, it's trying trying to abduct you from your tent right there in the outdoors. Damn aliens get after you all the time. All right, uh, the shirts, like I said, are really soft. They're very comfortable. And Into the AM is running a bundle deal. It's three graphic tees for only sixty dollars. So you can click the link in the description on YouTube, or if you're a podcast audio listener, use code Contri C O N T R I, and you'll get ten percent off these very comfortable shirts and gear. I even have stuff like the jungle shorts, kitty cats on my legs right here. <laughs> Go look good and feel good with Into the AM. All right, time for uh, voicemails, voice messages. Go to anchor.fm slash the C podcast. Go leave us a mo- voicemail. Tell us how much you like us, hate us, or leave a quick 20. You can, t- you can t- say you hate us. Just do it in 20 seconds. You're more likely to make the show. Here's the first one. 
Hey, Pat and Ian. This is Nick from Richmond, Virginia. I got a twofer here for you. Uh, First question is, uh, I recently got this uh, thing called the Ambernick 351V. It's like a emulator little thing that uh, is shaped like a Game Boy, Um, but it plays everything from like Game Boy up to like PS1 games. Um, So I was curious what y'all's thoughts were on these like little emulator things from China. They're they're pretty fun. They're actually kind of fun to mess around with and tinker with and play some games on the go for cheap. Yeah, I, I don't have much experience with them. Um, I, it seems like there's a little community from that likes them. Load up all your ROMs. I, they, they look really nice, and we've finally uh, gotten to the point where some of these are, are, are pretty well made. I uh, I know uh, John D'Elia, you know, has one. He always really has his it. new device, a new one, whenever um, I see him. So I, I mean, I think they're fine. I think they're fine if that's what you want. Yeah, not not much else to say. About that. This is Paul from Raleigh oh, So Einstein showed us that time is relative. What video games have you played that prove this point? Games that you start at 7 p.m. and the next thing you know it's 3 in the morning. For me, it's any turn-based strategy games, especially Civilization. Thanks. Uh, you know, Paul, you always try to try to rack my brain to think about these things. That was actually more of a straightforward one. Um, uh, definitely turn-based strategy games. Turn-based strategy games, one that really does it for me is um, Blood Bowl. Uh, Blood Bowl is a, uh, it's a, a turn-based football game. Um, made by uh, Games Workshop, and uh-huh. there's video game versions of it. So it has the uh, length of like a uh, like a civilization. Some of those football games get really, really long. Oh involved. wow! Yeah, it's it's a fucking great game. Yeah, Civ is the one that just one more turn, and then it's like, um, yeah, playing Civilization Two. I lost an entire summer, sophomore year of high school. The, that so sophomore year in between, uh, yeah, was it was it was that ninety five, ninety six? Yeah, in between. Uh, yeah, between sophomore and junior year. That's when it came out, Civ 2, and it's like every fucking day for like eight hours was that. Barely got my summer reading done. <laughs> Barely. Playing upstairs with no AC. That was fun back in Jersey. Uh, next. Hello, Pat. Hello, Ian. It's Andrew from Bath in England. Bath. Now, when I last called, I just picked up a PlayStation Vita. The online store is now pretty much deserted, but they still got games listed on there at crazy prices. For example, okay. Resident Evil Chronicles. That's listed for 25 quids. Now, why am I going to pay a price like 25 of the Queen's pounds where I could probably pick up a physical copy much cheaper and it won't be deleted off a server someday? Surely they could get a guy, tidy up a little bit, throw a sale, everything's got to go for a dollar, but instead they're propping up the used physical market. What is it with these games companies and this slack approach to the legacy of their digital storefronts that, in my opinion, leaves money on the table? Thank you. Andrew, you can call anytime. You're one of my new favorites, Andrew. I love the delivery. I love the energy. I like the Queen's Pounds. Yeah, the Queen's Pounds. I like how you have like 17 ways of of saying the pound in England. Yes. I love it. It's I'm fun. sorry. Um, so, I, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't know why they do that. I feel like they, if they lowered the prices on those, they would definitely, you know, on digital games, they would definitely generate more money, um, you know, than trying to charge full price because you're right. That does get people to go out to used stores, buy used copies of the games, and that doesn't generate any more money for the company or the developer. Um, I think it's all based on, you know, Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo. I don't think it has a lot to do uh, in some instances with um, the developers because I have heard that for certain companies. I can't remember which one you actually have to ask for permission, you know, to 
go on sale or you can only go on sale a certain number of times a year or something like that. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. We talked about it a bit before. I think the online marketplace is crazy. The fact that they still try to charge, you know, full price for games that came out years and years ago. Is it maybe that's an agreement with the, with the, the publishers of the games or? Well, that's they, what they I'm saying. Like the publishers or. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Hey, Pat. Hey, Ian. My name is Charles. I'm a longtime listener from Rhode Island. And okay. I've, I've been kind of curious. Um, it does not appear that we'll ever get a video game years from, you know, 1990 on up, um, you know, as of right now. Who knows what the future will really bring. But if there ever was a time when you all decided to do a video game years from that, from whatever that era, what game do you think would you be, you look forward to doing the most? What game would we look forward to doing the most if we did the 90s? Would it be something like Doom? Would it be um, Doom, NBA Doom, Jam? Doom, uh, there's a lot of them. Doom, NBA Jam, and Ridge Racer I would all be really, really fucking hyped to do. You would just like get on your Namco bandwagon again and take it back up with Ridge Racer. Yeah. Because the and, Namco and, stuff had its heyday in the early 80s. There's and, still and, stuff and, in the 90s, but not as much, obviously, we'd cover. I'd love so. to cover Dreamcast. I'd love to cover some of those late-era Sega arcade games. What would be the last topic when we do? If we did ninety nine, what would be the last one we would cover? We we cap out the millennium. Dreamcast, I think, would probably be a a, a capper because you wouldn't be at PS two yet. But the Dreamcast was released in September of nineteen ninety nine. I you know you wouldn't that would you wouldn't do that in the middle. You'd, you'd keep that to the end. Like this I'd probably last. keep it towards the end because I mean it was really it was the end of Sega too, and you could talk about the end of Sega. Going on, I, I think it would be a good camper. Oh, was was Sonic was was a Sonic game also that year or later? Yeah, it was it was a launch so you, game. You would you would put it all in the same segment. You wouldn't have it as a separate segment. You just keep it all in the same time. I yeah, guess so. Could, yeah, like one like seven minute segment of yeah. the Dreamcast. That's how you do it. We, we end out end out the retro sort of thing with that. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I think Doom would be fun because we can hear Joey uh, talk his insane rants about how the game looks weird when us just scratching our heads. It's still the most still the most mysterious weird thing that Rue has ever said that I still don't know what he means. Mm-hmm. Like eight years later from MAGFest, whenever that was. That's on video somewhere. That's on video. We did our video game years 90s discussion for one year live. Yeah. And then we brought up Doom and then Joey just went off on how it looked weird. and didn't and Reminded him of Jurassic Park on the Super Nintendo. And we, the, we just looked at each other like, did, did his... Did, did, are, are we, like, what happened? Did his brain shut down? Like, what just happened? <laughs> we love Rue. Uh, next. Hey, y'all. It's Rodney from Asheville, North Carolina. Hi, Rodney. Recently, I've started playing some of the modern beat-em-ups like Shredder's Revenge and Streets of Rage 4, and I was wondering if you guys had any advice on playing these games more mechanically sound or strategically so that I'm not just mashing the attack button all the time. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Well, usually you can't button mash on a lot of these games. Um, it's discouraged. Uh, the big thing with 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 beat 'em ups is, yeah, I think a lot of people who never got into them just kind of walk up to enemies and smash buttons. The biggest thing I think in beat 'em ups is pattern recognition. Yeah, you gotta recognize how these enemies move. Zoning yourself in a beat 'em up is just as important as knowing the attack patterns of an enemy uh, and your own moves. You have to be able to position yourself in a way. You have to be able to position yourself so you can focus on an enemy or two enemies without getting Surrounded. mobbed. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's yeah, a big all... part of that is how they move. 
it's all about spacing and timing. Like in real fighting, you have to know when to pick your spots, when to engage, when not to engage. Most beat em ups are, are have developed to the point where, even from the beginning, like Double Dragon, where you couldn't just go up to someone and smash them because, yeah, someone come behind you and hit you in the back of the head. I mean, that's just, that's a beat em up. Otherwise, you know, you can go back to like Kung Fu, that's a beat em up. And you, you have to even space and time with a game like Kung Fu, even though it's only on one plane. You just have to do that. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and don't spam, don't spam the special moves. Don't don't take it. Don't don't take advantage of the Shredder's revenge. Uh, I'll just call it bug. Hey Pat, hey Ian, it's Blaine from Canada. When you decide that you want to start playing a game series, are you okay with just playing the newest entry or a newer entry, or do you feel like you have to go back to the beginning? I don't think it's like movies for me. I, I I'm fine with the current one. I don't have to like go back and experience the other ones depends on the game for me um, um something like yakuza is really fun to play all the way through because the story constantly okay. keeps evolving i think for you know continuous story-based games like rpgs and stuff it's important to play them in order however for something like an assassin's creed just pick up whatever the newest one is hey pat this is actually just a message to you yourself oh. uh, i hope you are having a good time i love your guys podcasts and i uh, I just love your coverage of everything. I love your takes on everything. It's it's really nice. And everyone who uh, says that you smell like cheese whenever they meet you, man, mm-hmm. like that's not cool. Hey, boy, I think that's called slander. Slander, <laughs> what? I was like, I smell like cheese. I'm trying to start here, Blaine. But you're nice. Oh, I just want to say I enjoy you guys working. I smell like cheese. Um, I don't know. Like they say that you smell like uh like a like a. Gorgonzola. What? I've never met you, so I don't know. But anyway, you have a good one, man. Take care. Slander. You smell like cheese and you eat your pasta with ketchup. Slander. Slander all around me. Uh, So the next one came from someone named Chris, who did their own um, Amico song that ended up on YouTube. So I can just play the YouTube version because I think it's a little more um, finished, but... This came to my. This came to us. Look at the timing. Called that's Amico. So I'm just gonna play the song. We can enjoy a little ditty here. <laughs> okay. This is the YouTube version, but he actually uploaded to us up uh, uh, to us before it went live, I believe. <clears throat> and again, people are like, they're tweaking out right now. They're like, oh, dude, you're this and that. We're having fun. Give me a break, right? If you, if you get, you know, everyone wants to say, oh, he said this, he said that. Can we have fun? When you're fed constant lies by a weird scam guy, that's Amico. When you pay all your bills exploiting hacks and shills, that's Amico. Gaslighting calls you dingalings, doing shady things, and the tech they bring is no better. Then a cell phone from ten years ago These jabrones just want cheddar <laughs> Thank you, Chris. Thank that you. was great. That's, I'll probably play it on the screen. There, that's that's a good one. Uh there we'll do a couple more here. This has very been a very efficient podcast. I like this. We're under a minute uh, an hour thirty. Hey Pat, hey Ian, this is Chris from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Been a fan since the retro VGS coverage. Wow. A few years back, I had a reasonable 16-bit collection, reasonable. but life happened. I had no choice. I had to sell most of it off. Um, been feeling the want to get back in, but I'm leaning more towards getting an EverDrive or something like that, and then 
looking for the games that really, really matter to me and getting those back. I'd like to hear your thoughts on, do you feel moving forward with, with retro gaming, will more people be open to getting an EverDrive and that being the majority of their experience, or do you feel the collecting bug is still strong enough that people will want to have a lot of cartridges? Thanks. Love you guys. I don't. I think. I think the cartridge thing uh, overall will die off. Um, obviously, because generationally, because there's less physical media. I think it also depends on what console you like. Um, I, I think something like for probably for something like Ian, little Game Boy cartridges has more of an appeal versus a yeah. flash cart for him. But for like a Nintendo, there takes up a lot more space. Maybe for that, it makes more sense to have a flash cart. It's, is it maybe like a combination of things like that? I, I, th- um, I think people will move towards flash carts. Yeah, I don't think at this point it's not taboo. I mean, flashcards have been around for like 10 years at this point. Yeah. You know, going back to the original, the OG uh, from Brian, the retro USB one on the NES, the Power Pack, that's at least 10 years old, I think. I still have mine. Yeah. I don't know if you can buy it anymore. I think um, you can. I think they still get made. Um, yeah. So so, uh, so the point is is, is that I, I, I think people have been accepting them. I mean, Stone Age Gamer sells a bunch of them. Atari Age has ones. Mm-hmm. There's even, like a, I think, a Jaguar one at this point. Um, almost every, almost every console has a flash cart going back to like like the Intellivision. Uh, even the EverDrive has the flash cart. Uh, what's that? Even the EverDrive, or not the EverDrive? Even the Evercade has a flash cart. The Evercade has one, really. Someone yeah. made their own. It, I guess it's fairly cart. simple. I guess it just like connects a pin and basically boots you into Linux, and you can load up emulators and ROMs yeah. and shit like that. Yeah, I mean, just it's just. I mean, yeah. Um, I, I bought the Crix ones when they were on sale. I haven't used them all yet, but I bought the Crix ones. They do their when they did their. Uh, uh, there's their their uh, Black Friday sale, so I bought a bunch of. So I have most of the, uh, you know, the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance ones. I got those playing around. So I'm set for the future. I'm future proof. I got the Master System one. I was thinking about. It, I said I shouldn't have got that one because the Genesis one will play them. You know, so like why why do that? <laughs> right. But whatever, it's fine. I got both of them. If I ever want to play it on Master System with the Master System flash cart, I said fuck it. I said it, it's a, you know, Crix is awesome. This you know support the person, and uh, I, I got that. So yeah. So I think it comes up to it comes uh, down to what you value. A lot of people don't have space. Talk to you know Joe DeRosa, who who visit hung out with. He has an apartment still in New York. Doesn't have a lot of space for a lot of cars. That's why he doesn't collect NES stuff. But he was buying Game Boy stuff at the swap meet. It's yeah, small. It's I easy mean, to collect. Yeah, so it all fits into a fucking you know trading card box. It is what you want. Or even uh, even getting you know I think he bought a few uh, PS One games. CDs are even small. You can stack them easily and store them easily. You know, so it is what it is. Oh, that was it. That's it. That's it for the podcast. It was a good podcast. We had well, a good time. E- we had a good time today. How, how many stars in a certain Ian? Oh, four. four you have four? That's strong. I was thinking three and a half. Yeah, three and a half might be all right, too. Still good. All right. Well, that's a fun one. We'll see you next week. Uh, go to Into the AM. Use code C-O-N-T-R-I. Save 20% on these shirts. Is it 20%? What was it? 10. 10%. You save on these great shirts. Meow. <laughs> all right. See you later. <laughs>